Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you from Hobart, Tasmania and right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have Afi Tuaoi joining us from Wynyard. So I said earlier, Afi, that uh, we're coming from Hobart, which I am, but uh, you're up in Wynyard, and I'm wondering what the weather's like up there. It's been pretty rainy down here most of the past week. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. good morning, Jason. It's great to be with you and the listeners again this morning. And um, yeah, the weather's sort of been overcast this week, um, so we've had some dry periods, probably like you, we've had some rain, but... Um, yeah, it hasn't been like how it has been at the other states in Australia with uh, heavy downpours and uh, flooding. Yeah, so, it's been pretty bad in some places. With, yeah, uh, so lots of flooding. Mm, quite blessed at the moment. We uh, haven't been that affected. Mm, absolutely. Then Hobart, we've uh, we've only had light rain and um, no flooding as such. So. Although my phone uh, warns me every now and then that there's flooding warnings in different places in Tasmania, but um, nothing that has really affected us here, so we're, mm. we're very blessed. We don't like the uh, the rainy weather, do we, Afi? And uh, we look forward to the sunshine, but it's part of life, isn't it? The, the rainy weather also helps uh, the plants to grow, and we need that as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, certainly we... Uh and we, you know, we are very blessed here how green things are around in Tasmania. It does get a little bit dry through the summer, but generally throughout the years, you know, Jason, it's lovely and green. Mm. And, um, Particularly so this time of year. Yeah, very, <laughs> very true. Green, very green. If you uh, drive up through the Midlands this time of the year and it's all green, and then if you came back uh, maybe four or five months later, it's uh, dry as a bone. It makes a huge difference to the way it looks <laughs> when you're driving through the middle of Tasmania, so... <laughs> anyway, um, we should get on to our program today. Uh, we're continuing our series called Encounters with Jesus, and we've been studying the book of Hosea. And last time we studied mostly Hosea chapter 8. Would you like to give us a quick rundown on, on what we did last time? Sure. Uh, Thanks, Jason. So we just a quick recap from um, chapters 4 to 8 that we've been looking at for the last few weeks. And as I said before, you know, it's, it's about judgment and why has judgment come upon um, Israel? And that has been portrayed through um, the marriage of Hosea and Goma and their three children. And the four points we looked at previously is that point one, Hosea emphasizes that judgment comes upon the leadership of Israel, namely that of the priests and prophets, because they fail to give people the knowledge of the word of God the people whom God had given them to teach. But they are destroyed from a lack of knowledge, namely the law of God. And the second point we looked at is Hosea also emphasizes that the people have to take responsibility too, through chapters 4 to 7. And God brings three charges against Israel, or three things that is missing or the lack of within Israel, and that is faithfulness, love, and an acknowledgement of God. Mm. The third point we looked at last week of chapter 8, and um, verse 14 especially, which summarizes the whole chapter or serves as the central truth throughout the chapter, where verse 14 says, For Israel has forgotten his maker, 
And we saw that the word forgotten in the Hebrew means to mislaid, or Israel has mislaid their maker. Mm. And it's like times, you know, I've forgotten where I put my phone. I've forgotten my phone, but I just mis- I haven't forgotten my phone, I just mislaid it. Mm. I know my phone exists, it's just I don't have it in my hand. It becomes out of sight and out of mind, as they say. Mm. And it's the same as what Israel does with God. And it's through these points that has led them to idolatry and harlotry, as the book of Hosea brings out. So these are the reasons why there is a judgment upon them. And Mm. so the thing we looked at last week also was why God doesn't just give up on Israel or us today if we're that unfaithful. And we saw in verse 1 of chapter 8, God says to through Hosea, set the trumpet to your mouth or becomes an assignment to provide a basis for renewal or revival. And so we see God not just totally giving up on them, but he wants to bring renewal and revival within our lives if we choose to come back to him and uh, not to misplace our God and to continue in this covenant relationship with him. And we saw that through the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 and 10, by recognizing who we are, that we're dead in our trespasses and sin, we walk after the prince of the air, we're sons of disobedience, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, and by nature we are children of wrath. But the choice is we can, by accepting God's nature, we can change that through God's power, who is rich in his mercy and love, and even though we're dead in trespasses and sin, Jesus can make us alive in him by his grace, which we saw in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 10. Because verses 8 and 9, it says, We are saved by his grace through faith as a gift from God and not by works. And why verse 10, as we looked at last week, we are recreated. We can be recreated because we are his workmanship, created in Jesus for good works. Mm. They're beautiful verses, uh, those um uh, verses eight to ten of Ephesians chapter two. I think we we uh, studied in a bit of detail, and they're some of my favourite verses of scripture. Yeah, and uh, it really shows us the the uh, the grace and the love and the mercy that God has for us. That it's not to do with our works, but He's just simply calling us to. Uh, to turn to him, to trust in him, believe in him. Now, of course, if you want to go back and have a listen to that past episode or many more that we've done, you can do that using the Faith FM uh, website. That's faithfm.com.au or you can use the Faith FM app, the Faith FM Australia app. Search for that in your app store on your phone or your tablet and you can listen to all of our past programs. We've got a free book offer coming up later in the program and our show number today is 0488880891. That's 0488880891. Write that down. We're going to ask a question. We're going to have a book offer. So you'll need that number handy. So we'll uh, we'll tell you when to text in. But uh, right now, I guess, uh, Afi, today we, we're looking at um, Hosea chapter 9 and 10. Would you like to kick us off with that? Yeah. So today, we, Jason, we're going to continue on with the theme of judge, judgment in those two chapters, as you mentioned, through the view of how Israel sees their success through, their, through the harvest, time of harvest, because they believe that life is good and all is well with them. And it must be because they are right with God. Mm. And if we are right with God, then, hey, life must be good. So if you'd like to read for us, Jason, um, 
Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and let's see how they believe and see life as good. And it says, this is reading from the New King James Version, Do not rejoice, O Israel, with joy like other peoples, for you have played the harlot against your God. You have made love for hire on every threshing floor. The threshing floor and the winepress shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. Yeah, it's interesting, Jason. You know, the threshing floor there in verse 1 represents a harvest festival. As Israel are celebrating the harvest festival of that year, a celebration of thanksgiving to Yahweh, as, as it was supposed to be. But Hosea comes marching in and he says in there in verse 1, No more festivals by declaring, Do not rejoice, O Israel. You know, Jason, you know, their way of thinking is, well, all is well, but really Hosea is saying, no, not all is well, is it? No. So how would you feel, Jason, if you thought you know, thought all is going well in your life and it must be because, hey, I must be right with God, and then you have Hosea come running in and declares, no more celebration, Jason. Do not mm. rejoice, Jason. How I think, would you feel about Hosea doing that? I think you'd feel pretty flattened or uh, disheartened, I guess, and uh, you'd have to question <laughs> uh, what's going on here. Exactly. And, and this is... You, you get that sort of a, a vibe that comes from these verses because this is how Israel felt. And then you have this prophet coming in and saying, no, not all is well. Stop rejoicing. Mm. Because verse 2 there brings the announcement of coming disaster. The harvest may have been plentiful, but really what Hosea is saying through God is that the harvest is deceptive because the people saw the plentiful harvest as a sign of blessing from God. But as we've looked at before, they have denied the real provider, and that is Yahweh, the mm. God of heaven. Mm. Because the word fail there in verse 2, the new wine, as it says, shall fail in her, means deceive. Mm. And so, Jason, the question for us to elaborate a bit more on is, do you know a bit about the festivals that Israel uh, you know, we're to celebrate and their meaning that we normally have, you have them listed there in Leviticus 23. Yeah, I do know um, just a little bit about them. And, of course, uh, the common ones are things like the Passover. I think most people know about the Passover because mm-hmm. it was involved at the the time of the crucifixion of Christ. But there are many others. Um, and I must admit, I don't have a really good understanding of them, but uh, I only have a vague understanding of them. Well, yeah, that's good, Jason. But you know, because they're they're very interesting, the feasts and what they represent. And as you mentioned, you know, you have the feast of the Passover, the feast of the unleavened bread, the feast of first fruits, the feast of weeks, which is Pentecost, the feast of trumpets, the feast of tabernacles, and the seventh feast is the feast of the day of jubilee. Mm. There in chapter twenty-five, and each of they of those feasts represents some phase of our Christian development. That's how we we would apply them today. Why we don't celebrate these feasts today? Because they are a fulfillment in Christ. And so the feasts are for us as, are for us today are symbolic, but we will look at them after the break and in a little bit more detail on how Israel celebrated them in their time. Mm, absolutely. Well, we've got a question for you today. Text us in. We'd love to hear from you. The question is, do you interpret things going right in your life to mean that you are right with God? And if so, does that mean that when things aren't going well in your life, you're not right with God? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on 0488 This is Who Is Like You by Tim Newfield. 
listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with Afi Tuaoi on the topic of Hosea chapter 9 and chapter 10 and uh, this is our Encounters with Jesus program and uh, it's it's interesting how even though we're studying an Old Testament book, uh, one of the, uh, do you call this a minor prophet Afi? Yes. Yeah, so uh, we're also connecting this with uh, some things uh, that Jesus said himself, and we'll look at some New Testament stuff as well a bit later. But um, we asked you a question before the break. Do you interpret things going right in your life to mean that you are right with God? And if so, does that mean when things aren't going well in your life, you are not right with God? We'd love to hear from you today. Text us in on zero four double eight double eight zero. Eight nine one. Before the break, Afi, we were just 
covering very briefly some of the names of these festivals that uh, were um, instructed uh, of the the Old Testament um, Jews to remember certain days, certain things. And uh, we're going to have a look at some of these just in a little bit more detail now, I guess. Yeah, so... So, Jason, you have, you know, the feast, there were seven feasts all together, and the seventh feast was celebrated um, every 50th year. Mm. And so the six feasts that were listed in Leviticus 20, chapter 23, were celebrated yearly mm-hmm. throughout the year. And um, each of those feasts represent some phase of uh, the Christian development. That's what the purpose of them, the, why God had given them to Israel. But for today, for us today, you know, the feasts are symbolic. But they do have, as we talked, you know, through the break, there is some spiritual application within the feast that we can take today and help us in our own spiritual journey. And so the feast for Israel was was more than just liturgical moments. But the, the feast system was actually an allegory of the entire experience of salvation for them. That was the teaching behind the feasts. Mm. So every year through the feast system, they were reminded of everything that God was doing for them to be saved. But then when you get to the 50th year in Leviticus 25, the closing feast that took place once every 50 years is outlined there. And we just want to briefly look at that in Leviticus chapter 25, verses 1 to 7. You'd like to read those verses for us, please, Jason. Sure. And again, this is in the New King James Version. And there's a little title that says, The Sabbath of the Seventh Year. And the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows of its own accord of your harvest you shall not reap, nor gather the grapes of your untended vine, for it is a year of rest for the land. And the Sabbath produce of the land shall be for shall be food for you. For you, your male and female servants, your hired man and the stranger who dwells with you. For your livestock and the beasts that are in your land, all its produce shall be for food. Yeah, thanks, Jason. What do you think is happening here with Israel through these verses that God's instructions to them about these when it comes up to the seventh feast? Mm. Do you know what comes to mind? Um, there's a couple of things that come to mind for me, actually. Um, one is um, a, a time of rest and rejuvenation. Mm. And also in the latter part of this, the fact that, you know, they're not to go out and, and work and plant and, and harvest. They're to actually let the crops um, grow on their own, I guess, <laughs> and mm. we and uh, and then they're to eat from that crop, not not harvest it, but eat from it. And to me, that symbolises God, uh, God's blessing, God looking after, recognising that God is actually our ultimate provider. Now, I, I, as I said, I haven't studied these in detail, but yeah. I don't know if I'm on the right track here. Yeah, you are, Jason, and that's beautifully put because that is, is exactly what was happening there in the Book of Isaiah, as you just as you just said. They were to recognize that God was the provider. 
He's mm. the one that blesses their crops. Mm. But what happened was, as we said, that they were deceived because they turned to Baal as mm. the provider. Mm. And so you have here, right in the beginning there, that, you know, how God was looking after Israel. And, and he points out there through this feast, you know, six years, as you said, they were to rest. Six years to rest, six years to rest. Seven straight periods of times they were to do this. And then in the 50th year, after they've done this, was the year of Jubilee. Mm. And as you look at what happens in the year of Jubilee, it was a time when, you know, if you mortgages, if you had a mortgage, it was, you know, you had a mortgage your land, it, it was, you know, that mortgage was paid. Your land was, was brought back to you, yeah, yeah. released back to you. Mm. And if you look at verses 10 to 14 in that same chapter of Leviticus 25, you'd like to read those verses for us, Jason. Yeah, it says, And you shall consecrate the 50th year, consecrate, sorry, I didn't say that word properly, I don't think. You shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you, and each of you shall return to his possession, and each of you shall return to his family. That fiftieth year shall be a jubilee to you. In it you shall neither sow nor reap what grows of its own accord, nor gather the grapes of your untender vine, for it is the jubilee. It shall be holy to you. You shall eat its produce from the field. In this year of jubilee, each of you shall return to his possession. And if you sell anything to your neighbor or buy from your neighbor's hand, you shall not oppress one another. Thanks, Jason. And so what you have here all down through this chapter, it outlines the blessings to them when it comes to that 50th year. And so, Jason, what is God teaching Israel here, do you think? I think uh, this is almost a period of time of, um, I would call it almost redemption, freedom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. the, the release of the oppression, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> You know, if, if you've taken a mortgage and it's it's oppressing you, then it seems as though every fifty years uh, this is going to be released. And it, yeah. I, I don't fully understand all this wording. I need to study it more. But it seems as though um, somehow you return to um, you know, even if you've uh, sold land or something, you can you can go back to your family and and reside there. So yeah, yeah, and, re- and receive it back again. Yeah. You're on the right track there. Jason and and so God was teaching them several things by resting the land God was saying the land belongs to God mm. and that everything needs rest even the earth mm. but more than anything else in the 50th year God is reminding them really that, that there's nothing you have that's really yours yeah and in the 50th year they have this experience mm. that everything belongs to God and God is the provider and so in the time of Hosea in chapters 9 and 10, the people saw the plentiful harvest from the land, six years of planting and harvesting as a sign of blessing from God. But as we said, they denied the real provider. Mm. And because the word fail, in verse 2 there of chapter 9 of Hosea, the new wine shall fail in her means to deceive. They were deceived by the idolatry worship to Baal, who they believed provided their rain and harvest. And because their celebrations at harvest time, as chapters 9 and 10 there of Hosea, that tells us that they were actually, what they were doing was a time of celebration to bail and sexual behavior and harlotry. Mm. So this is why uh, Hosea came and interrupted them and said, yes. stop celebrating. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. 
and why now we see why judgment has now come upon them. And we see that sort of illustrated, as we said before, through the marriage of Hosea and Goma and their three children. Mm. What we also see, Jason, is they also, Israel also saw their prosperity as a sign of blessing. And um, Israel attributed their success and prosperity to Baal rather than to Yahweh or to God himself. So just before sure, just Jason. before we go on, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's a bit of a controversial topic. Um, you know, there's this movement at the moment called the Great Reset, and mm. it's almost like you know we have to uh, reinvent the world because you know the way we're running is is detrimental to the planet and all that sort of stuff. You yes. know, in a way, and I don't uh, I don't want to get into any <laughs> detailed discussions about the Great Reset, but yeah. in a way, to me, this year of jubilee. Is like God's reset. You know, it's like, hey, every 50 year, reset, Mm. reset, rest, recognize God as your provider, give back, you know, and uh, return things to to people. I think, um, you know, there's some really good principles in that. Exactly right, Jason. A lot of great principles we have within the Word of God. Tithing is another one. Yes. You know, and as you said, you know, if. If we were to follow God's plan originally, yeah. how our world would look so different today. Mm. And, you know, as you mentioned, you know, the land was to have rest. Mm. Look what's happening to our planet today. Mm. You know, not only are people working seven days a week, but mm. the, the way they've been treating the planet mm. itself. Mm. And, and, you know, they're just harvest, harvesting harvesting the planet just for their own their own greed, really. Mm. And and we know that there's a movement to uh, try to turn this around because of um, you know climate change and other things, mm. but uh, it seems as though people are trying to do it their own way and not necessarily God's way. So exactly. Anyway, um, that's a little bit off topic, but uh, we'll come back to um, what we just started talking about: prosperity and a sign of blessing after the break. Uh, I just want to remind our listeners of a question that we asked you before. Do you interpret things going right in your life to mean that you are right with God? If so, does that mean that when things aren't going well in your life that you're not right with God? We'd love to hear from you. We're going to talk a bit more about this after the break. So do hang in there. We've also got a book offer after the break. So uh, stay tuned for that. We'll tell you more soon. This is Don't Forget His Love by Ellie Holcomb. Praise the Lord, O my soul, O and all my inmost being. Praise the Lord, O my soul, don't forget His love, who forgives all of your sins. Who heals all your diseases Who redeems your life from the pit And who crowns you with His love 
is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tazzy Encounters on Faith FM, and today we're speaking with Afi Tuaoi on the series Encounters with Jesus, and we've been looking at Hosea chapter 9, and uh, in particular we've been discussing the year of Jubilee, which was a 1 in 50 year uh, celebration, um, and uh, really a rest for the land and the people of Israel to recognize who God is and the blessings that he provides us. Now, we just started talking about this prosperity, and we've been asking a question of our listeners today. Um, is prosperity really a sign of blessing? And, uh, you know, if things are going well in with our life, does that mean we're right with God? And if they're not going well, then does that mean we're not right with God? So uh, we're going to get into that little topic a little bit more now, Arfie. Yeah, thanks, Jason. And, um, you know, it was a good, good points that you brought out too in the last section, you know, you know, just dealing with how God also looks after everyone. No one's disadvantaged. Mm. And, um, that's, that's was always God's purpose for mankind. And looking at this section here, dealing with Israel also saw their prosperity, their success as, as a sign of blessing. And so Israel attributed their success and prosperity to Baal rather than to God. Mm. So a question has to come to mind then, Jason. Is prosperity a sign of God's approval? Um, because, you know, I saw someone with a badge one day saying, prosperity, our divine right. Mm. Mm. So does that mean a person who is not presently prosperous is unblessed and not right with God then? What do you think? I, I have a couple of thoughts on this, Afi, and I think... Um, the reality is that if we follow God and mm-hmm. we, you know, follow His ways, then chances are we will probably do better. I think that's mm. just a natural um, result of uh, being diligent, being honest, being fair. However, I don't think it's a guaranteed right because as we look at the apostles in the New Testament, particularly, they followed God uh, with all their heart, mind, and soul, and. Uh, I don't think they had material prosperity, and in mm. fact, most of them ended their lives uh, in you know, not so pleasant ways. So, I think um, I, d- I think it's a misconception to say that the prosperity of uh, of wealth is a sign that God is blessing us. Well, nicely put, Jason, but, and, and so true because unfortunately, there's a lot a lot of Christians today who believe that. You know, because they have wealth or they're doing well in life, well then, hey, God must be blessing me or God mm. must be happy with me. Yeah. But in in doing so then, if one is prosperous in this way, then, you know, it leads to, you know, we don't really have to examine ourselves with our relationship with God. Mm. 
because we take advantage of that thinking, well, okay, I'm doing good, I'm doing well. Well, that means God is happy with me, and so my relation, I don't have to think about my relationship with God then. Mm. And just because things are going well at a particular point in our lives does not really necessarily mean we are right with God, as you pointed out. Mm. And there's this great story, parable that Jesus talks about there on Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21, that helps us to deal with this as well. And what Israel was going through there in Hosea chapter 9 and 10. And Jason, would you like to read Luke chapter 12, verses 13 to 21 for us, please? Sure. And uh, there's a title in this Bible, the New King James Version, that says, The Parable of the Rich Fool. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, my brother, sorry, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Um, But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose, then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I think that's the most important verse in that whole uh, passage, isn't it? The verse 21 there. Well, in the end there, doesn't it, Jason? It does. So, you know, a question has to be then, as what we've been discussing here in this section is, in this parable, is Jesus advocating that prosperity is a sign of true success and that you are right with God? Yeah, well, here it's it's not uh, indicating that at all because this guy was successful, but clearly he wasn't right with God. Mm. Well, it would imply that, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. And, and what you see is the sin is what Jesus is bringing here is that Jesus really is not asked to be an arbitrator, but an advocate for the petitioner against his brother. And so therefore Jesus raises the question, really, it's on greed. Because mm. the issue here in this parable is not to do with wealth, mm. but is one's attitude in obtaining wealth. Mm. Because five times you have there within this parable from verses 17 to 19, he, he speaks of what I would do, mm. my fruit, my barn, my goods, my soul, as if he owns it all. Mm. And so his goal there, as you read there, Jason, his goal in life is really to ease back and withdraw from life, to you know, to take it easy, yeah, take it easy, yeah, to drink and be merry. Mm. And so he feels no concern or responsibility to anyone else. Mm. And so the essence of greed then is keeping what resources God brings your way for yourself, mm. and that's the issue: the resources that God, because God owns all. And he gives those resources to you. Mm. And so Jesus calls this man a fool. Why does, you know, that's really harsh. Why does Jesus call this man a fool? 
because well, he, he he wasn't he wasn't looking uh, at his relationship with God. He was looking simply to his material success. Yeah, is exactly right, Jason. And that's why you know we ask that question to our to our listeners: Is, is my prosperity then a sign of my success with God? Then, mm. because this is what this this individual was doing. He was looking at his riches, his prosperity, but not looking at his own relationship with God. Mm. And so it's interesting that when Jesus calls him a fool, the Old Testament term there for fool really describes someone who either acts without God or acts without wisdom in a self-destructive way, as you just pointed out, Jason. Mm. He wasn't looking at his own relationship with God. And so the possessions and comfort pursued by this rich man or fool really led him to neglect that pursuit of God so that he poorly uses the resources that he has received. Hmm. And so life, as we know, does not consist in the abundance of possessions. But richness towards God really means, as you point out there, Jason, verse, um, the last verse The there. last, tw- verse 21, where it says, so, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Yeah. Hmm. So what does it mean then? We need to be rich towards God. Yeah, so I, I think that's the key thing, isn't it? Like some would would uh, say that, oh, you know, Christians sometimes go around saying that they have to be poor, and you know that's not the message that Jesus preached. Mm, he no. ju- he just simply <laughs> was saying that if we put our riches and our wealth and and whatever above our relationship with God, then um, we've got a problem. Exactly, and, and you know, Jason, you, you know, as you just put put, you know, as you just put that together, that's the issue there in the book of Hosea. Mm. It all comes down. The undergirding issue is our relationship with God, Israel's relationship with God, mm. and and they were turning to Baal rather than turning to God. Mm. They were giving praise to Baal rather than giving praise to God and thanking God rather, and they were really thanking. Um, Baal instead mm. and as you put it you know the richness there God is talking about is being you know the rich towards God means responding to God in life and, and in the blessings and the way he desires and a way that we honor him through our service and compassion to others mm. you know it's interesting Jason you know one of the issues why this rich fool here I just want to quickly read this verse in Deuteronomy um, chapter 24 and um, Deuteronomy chapter 24 uh, verses 19 to 22 it reads when you reap your harvest in your field forget not a sheaf in the field or a corn in the field you should not go back to get it it shall be for the stranger the fatherless and the widow that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands and so the field that you have, God is saying part of the corner of the field should be left for for the poor, mm. for those who, who don't have wealth. Mm. But this individual the, of this parable, Jesus is saying all he was thinking about was himself. Mm. He never left anything or had compassion for anyone else. Mm. So once again, you know, it's, a, it's beautiful how God illustrates this and brings it out in his word, how we are to... Also to look after others, or the blessings he gives us is also to, in a way, to help and you know, mm. to, and look after others too. If we were really following his ways, um, we wouldn't have 
the uh, such disparate um, differences, you know, between the the rich and the poor in our society, and we would be looking after those who have uh, not been so fortunate in life. But we we have um, too much greed in our society, and you know, some no, of that some of that Tracy. applies to us. <laughs> yeah, me, I, I can say, you know, um, I like my things, and I think a lot of us do, and we don't really think often enough about how we can use those things to help yeah. others or to share with others as well. It comes as a test of the heart, doesn't it, Jason? It does. Yeah. And it's something that's between you know you, ourselves or yourself and God. Mm. We've got our book offer today. It's called God, Really? And this is good news about the God I don't believe in. It's a very intriguing title, this book. Um, mm. uh, uh, this is by Harold Giesebrecht. Uh, I hope I've pronounced that correctly. Harold Giesebrecht. Uh, addressing the challenging questions about the character of God. Defending God against the objections of science is much easier than defending him against the damage believers themselves have inflicted on his reputation. There are interpretations of the Bible that portray God more like a violent psychopath than a loving God one would wish to exist. This book shares some of the author's personal journey through some of the most difficult questions you can ask about the God of the Bible. Stay tuned for the code for this book offer today. 0488880891 is the number you'll need to text in. We'll give you the code straight after the break. This is Joy Is Not Cancelled by the Collingworths family. Life is put on hold All our plans have cancelled Things have changed Nothing feels the same Disappointments, fear and doubt Go hand in hand And waves of worry threaten me Everywhere uncertainty But in the midst of chaos, in the midst of fear, there is something to remember. Yes, there is something we all need to hear. Joy is not cancelled. God's goodness, kindness, His grace isn't running low, and He has not changed. His power is still abundant, His mercies are still new. God's plans have not been cancelled. He's still in control And everything that matters still remains So when the trials and tests they come Darkness only hides the sun And you can't seem to find your way No light of day are some things we know for sure They never change, they will endure No matter what things look like all around us 
So in the midst of chaos In the midst of all your fears There is something you should remember Yes, there is something we all need to hear Joy is not cancelled running low and he he has not changed his power is still abundant his promises they are all still true God's plans have not been cancelled he's fully in control and everything that matters still remains. Yes, everything that matters still remains. Beautiful song. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. Thank you, Jesus. And uh, we're talking with Afi Tuaoi on the topic of Hosea, uh, chapter 9 and 10. We're finishing up this program today, and we've got a little bit more to go, but I did promise you a code to our book giveaway today. The book is called God, Really? Good News About the God I Don't Believe In. And uh, you've been hanging out for the code. It is Encounter 31. So text that in, Encounter 31, no spaces, and the number 31. Text that in to 0488880891 to claim this book offer. Afi, uh, we want to uh, finish this up, and we've got a little bit to read from Hosea chapter 10 and a couple of other passages. So we need to get yes. into it with our seven minutes left. All right. Let's do it. So the reasons of the coming judgment, as we've seen so far, you know, what we've seen so far, just quickly recapping, is that the reason of the judgment is namely the priests and the prophets, they failed to give people knowledge of the word of God. They destroyed them of that lack of knowledge, namely the law of God. And also, same point too, there, Hosea's emphasis is that the people have to take responsibility too because of three things they lacked or were missing in their relationship with God, and that was faithfulness, love, and acknowledgement of God. And we've seen there in chapter 8, Israel had forgotten his maker. And when you see, we, we see all this com- culminating in their celebration of the harvest or Thanksgiving or the feast of first fruits. And but God is looking for a renewal, a revival on how we do not misplace him in our continued relationship with him. Mm. And so in this last section, Jason, in chapter 10 there, verses 1 to 8, um, you'd like to read those verses for us, please. Sure. It says, uh, Israel's sin and captivity. 
Israel empties his vine, he brings forth fruit for himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he has increased the altars. According to the bounty of his land, they have embellished his sacred pillars. Their heart is divided. Now they are held guilty. He will break down their altars. He will ruin their sacred pillars. For now they say, we have no king, because we did not fear the Lord. And as for a king, what would he do for us? They have spoken words, swearing falsely in making a covenant. Thus judgment springs up like hemlock in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria fear because of the calf of Beth-Avon. For its people mourn for it, and its priests shriek for it, because its glory has departed from it. The idol also shall be carried to Assyria as a present for King Jareb. Ephraim shall receive shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. As for Samaria, her king is cut off like a twig on the water. Also the high places of Avon, the sin of Israel, shall be destroyed. The thorn and thistle shall grow on their altars. They shall say to the mountains, cover us, and to the hills, fall on us. Mm, Amen. So what verse in the Bible does that last half of that verse or verse 8 remind you of, Jason? I'm sure there's a verse in Revelation that talks about people calling out to the rocks and the hills to fall on them. Yeah, exactly. Um, you'll have to remind me the exact reference. Yeah, in <laughs> Revelation 6 there, uh, verses 16 and 17. Yeah. Do, do, do you know what the scene is, That that um, why they, they called for the, the mountains and the rocks to fall on them, Jason? I think they. This is the uh, the period of the second coming. I believe is that right? Yeah, exactly. The, and, the period uh, of the, the scene of the second coming. Yeah, and so also like, was you know judgment. Mm, mm. The time of judgment. Judgment has been made for the faithful and the unfaithful. Those who have chosen to walk with God and those who have rejected God. You know, and the verses what you just read there. Uh, one of the things that God hates most there in verse two or chapter ten is what you said there is their heart is divided, mm. and it sort of sums up the whole chapter. These verses can easily be based uh, on what we see in Psalm one hundred nineteen verses one one hundred thirteen. Uh, it says, "I hate the double minded." God mm. says, mm. and so verse one there of chapter ten, Israel which it says empties his vine. The word empties can also mean luxury or be luxuriant. So the idea is Israel is luxuriant, uh, sorry, is a luxuriant vine that yields abundant fruit. Hmm. In other words, they have been blessed by God with abundant prosperity, but instead of responding with grateful loyalty to Yahweh, the people misused their privileges and gave their loyalty and thankfulness to Baal. And also, so today, as Christians, prosperity can lead us away from God rather than closer to Him. And sometimes we are better tr- at trusting God in tough times that, rather than in good times, because our possessions and our projects can become our false gods, and self becomes the real contender for the throne of our hearts that belong to God, as we looked at the parable there of the rich young fool in Luke 12. And so what we see in this chapter is a divided heart manifested in words and action because in verse 3 and 4, the people confess that they have not feared the Lord. And in verse 5 and 6, or chapter 10 of Hosea, they mourn over the loss of a calf image to Baal worship. 
But then in verses 7 and 8, it reveals really their divided heart because mm. it seems they lose a sense of the inseparable relationship of their present behavior and future consequences and why they say to the mountains to cover us and to the hills fall on us. And so these words of judgment and a divided heart has to remind us of the Church of Laodicea in, in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. You'd like to read those verses for us, please, Jason. Yeah, it says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So we know, Jason, the condition of the Laodicean church, the end-time church or people, mm. they, they are self de- it's a self-deceived condition. Mm. And the fact that Christ is about to spew them out of his mouth indicates they still have an opportunity to repent. Mm. So what, what does Revelation 3 tell us that we need to get out of this divided heart, that we need not to have a divided heart? We need to be solely focused on our relationship with him. Yeah, exactly, Jason. Our relationship with him, and Jesus brings that out in verse 18 of what we need to buy from him. And if we need to buy something from Jesus, it also indicates that we have to give up something in in exchange Mm. to receive that. And Jesus brings out we need the gold. Gold is refined in fire. Figuratively stands for faith which has been tested. White garments. The white garments is to cover our shame and nakedness. And the white garments is a symbol of salvation and right standing before God. The eye slave is to anoint our eyes that we may see. And we need that urgently because what the Laodiceans church needed and what we need today is a discerning and working influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we are now living in the time of judgment. Mm. And so, Jason, uh, just to conclude, I can say with confidence that we can always count on God. It is God's will that none should ever perish, but that we all come to repentance. It was God's heart that consistently expressed to Israel and to us today of his faithfulness, his trustworthiness, and his loyalty to him. Mm. That's fantastic, Afi. I love the way that you're bringing this uh, this Old Testament minor prophet to life and making it relevant to us today. Um, next time we'll be continuing with Hosea, I assume. We've still got a little bit left to go. Yeah, so we'll be looking at um, chapters 11 and 12. No worries. And tomorrow we've got Peter Watts joining us and he's starting a new series, A Light in the Dark, uh, with Behind the Mask. We've run out of time today, Afi, but thank you. And uh, remember the code if uh, you haven't done it, Encounter 31. No worries, we'll talk to you next time. This has Opened My Eyes by James David Carter. Have a great day. Open my eyes, Lord. Help me to see your face. Open my eyes, Lord. Help me to see. Open my ears, Lord. Help me to hear your voice. Open my ears, Lord. Help me to hear. 
And our eyes are open And we hear like never before And we'll speak in new ways And we'll see God's face In places we never know Open my heart, Lord Help me to Now we